السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ پیس ایم بلسنگ اللہ پون آن آل اوور لسنرز ویلکم ونس اگین ان ادر ڈرائیو ٹائم شو یو آر لسننگ ٹو انیک الرحمٰن اینڈ آئی جوائن بائی ڈاکٹر طارق باجوا ود ان دی وائس آف اسلام اسٹوڈیو ان لندن السلام علیکم السلام علیکم پیس پیس بی آن او یو اینڈ آل دی لسنرز تھینک یو ویری مچ تھینک یو ویری مچ Today, uh, we are here once again with uh, uh, different topics. As we discuss every week, two tap topics, uh, we try to cover different aspects of those topics. Similarly, this week <coughs> or today, we will be discussing two very important topics. One, it's related to science and women, the contribution of women and girls in science. And uh, we will be discussing, particularly in this topic, why it is important uh, for women to you know uh, educate themselves and how they have basically contributed for science for the society in the second hour of today's show we will be discussing the topic of gratitude how it will change your life why it is important to have gratitude <coughs> and how we can have gratitude within us and how it helps us in our daily life for these topics uh, we will be having some guests who will be you know covering this topic and will be giving us more insight and give us more understanding to you know understand more uh, on these subjects but apart from our guest you can also call us on uh, on our radio show today and uh, you can call on this number 0208687 you can visit our website as well www voiceofislam.co.uk and you can tweet on uh, you know at voiceofislamuk we have our instagram page you can also visit that as well and you can see what's going on in uh, voice of islam uh, today or any day you want to uh, go into particularly discussing as i mentioned earlier we will be discussing the science of the contribution of women in, and girls uh, within the uh, you know the world of science a famous you know african proverb states especially particularly educating a woman it says if you educate a man you educate an individual and if you educate a woman you educate a nation and it's very much true that because those women they will be one day a mother and they have to basically teach their children and that's how the society grows on and that's what the proverb means if you are teaching or if you're educating a man you educate an individual and if you educate a woman you educate a nation and throughout the history till the present day women have always played a crucial role within science technology engineering and mathematics they have made significant and often dramatic contributions to these fields and un- unfortunately often times these contributions have been overlooked or you know even forgotten so for this reason International Day of Women and Girls in Science marked uh, on 11th of February every year and is yet to come is only a few days away is globally recognized to celebrate the women who work and contribute to the major scientific findings that we see every day in the past or in the future and this day uh, is an opportunity to promote full and equal a- access and participation in science for women and girls along with encouraging equality in the STEM fields while this access to equal opportunities you know every person right and unfortunately this has not always been the case because when we take a look at those pursuing stem subjects there are significant gender gap and according to unesco institute of statistics less than 30% of the world's researchers are women 
And if we discuss particularly about Islam, we Islam also promotes women to educate themselves and the Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa peace and blessings Allah be upon him instructed that it is duty of every Muslim man and every Muslim woman to acquire knowledge. And it is very important that they should acquire knowledge and it is also important that we should recognize the work they have been doing. <laughs> Historically, if we look at uh, uh, the names you know, which come to our mind, considering or, or uh, looking at the, the ladies, Marie Curie, um, Ada Lovelace and Rosalind Franklin, um, these are the very familiar names, but the pages of history have often left out names uh, which also deserve recognition. Women who have reached the top of their fields have had to deal with sexism, racism, bullying, and outright rejections. Mm -hmm. And they have only managed to pull through and set examples by showing extraordinary resilience, thick skins, and exceptional abilities. The question remains, however, why were they so restricted? Fatima Al-Fahri is one of the names uh, who was uh, from a Moroccan city of Fez. And Fatima al-Fahri founded a mosque which developed into the famous Al-Qarawiyin Al University. Today, it is recognized as the oldest existing university in the world. So, I'm, I'm just going to name um, a few of those women who were also who had done an excellent job in science. And as uh, the short form is STEM, that is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So these are uh, particular subjects which we are um, considering today uh, when we are talking about the, the women and their contribution. So Sophia Louisa Jex Blake. Um, she was a homeschooled girl from Hastings, England, uh, who dreamt of pursuing medicine but was denied admission solely because she was a woman. It took months of battling the university courts before she, along with six women, were allowed to study at the University of Edinburgh, only to be denied the degree at the end. So just imagine that these, these uh, women, they just wanted to, be, to have the education of, uh, in medicine, to graduate in medicine, but they had to... Um, uh, this was a group of uh, seven women who struggled and they made a lot of effort before they could get even admission into the Edinburgh uh, Medical School. And uh, ultimately, even, even then, they were not given the degree. But she was the one who became the third woman in Britain registered with the General Medical Council and the first practicing as a doctor in Scotland. So that's a great, great, great achievement by her. Then we have another name, Catherine Johnson. Catherine Johnson was a mathematician who worked on NASA's early space missions. She was one of the computers who solved equations by hand during NASA's early years. An unsung hero who received the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2015. Cecilia Payne Gapushkin uh, is another name. She was a woman of many firsts the first to receive a PhD from Radcliffe College, the first to be professor at Harvard, and the first to discover the composition of stars. Um, she determined that hydrogen was far more prevalent in the universe than the established astronomical community believed. 
However, no one believed a young female graduate could make such a fundamental discovery. Her work laid the foundation of astrophysics. Another name is Lise Meitner. She was a leading Austrian-Swedish physicist who was one of those responsible for the discovery of the element protactinium and nuclear fission. She never won a Nobel, although it's widely recognized that she should have. She too has her own element, Meitnerium, in her, her own name. So <coughs> if you look at the gender gap in science, over the past decade, a growing movement has encouraged girls and women to pursue education and careers in science, technology, engineering, and maths. However, the number of females working in the STEM sector or the number of girls choosing STEM fields is still quite low compared to their male <coughs> colleagues. In cutting-edge fields such as artificial intelligence, only one in five professionals, that's 22%, uh, is woman. Numerous studies have found that women in STEM fields publish less they are paid less for their research and do not progress as far as men in their careers. However, there is very little data at the international or even national level showing the extent of these disparities. Indeed, um, <coughs> uh, Dr. Tariq Bajo was mentioning about uh, you know how uh, women have been doing and growing, and even then they have they are facing uh, these uh, you know circumstances. Uh, we'll carry on the discussion, uh, but we have uh, our first guest with us. Uh, we have Stara Baruj with us. She's a postgraduate uh, student at Oxford University, researching CLL and uh, uh, Richter syndrome. I welcome her. Peace be upon you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today. And uh, we'll start off with our first question. Uh, Sitara, if, uh, if, if you please tell us what your research is all about. Um, so our study is mainly looking at the possible clinical uses of circulating tumor DNA as a non-invasive source of genetic information. So like um, traditionally if someone gets cancer, there's a long and painful process of getting a tissue sample mm -hmm. and doing a biopsy, which can be especially difficult if the person tumor is in a place that's hard to reach, like mm. the brain or the lungs. So um, what CTDNA does basically it provides us genetic information, but we just need a blood sample for it. So we use next generation sequencing to see what mutations are there, and that helps us identify possible treatment options and reasons they could be behind treatment failures as well. And more specifically, we're looking at um, a rare condition that's known as Richter syndrome, which has a very poor overall prognosis and survival of less than a year. So. Um, Essentially, what we want to do is try and tell how a patient's doing from a blood sample rather than taking a tissue sample, um, which will help um, improve our access to genetic information and help us personalize medicine. So how, how, how would it be possible to uh, sort of uh, explore the extent of the um, tumor, how much is spread or staging normally, which we do? So we, we can't uh, look at CTDNA yet as like for the first diagnosis, so we obviously need still a tissue biopsy about that. But what it can do is it helps us monitor treatment. So um, sometimes when we treat conditions like Richter syndrome, um, what happens is treatment fails even with novel agents. So we don't know what the cause is behind that. So what it does is um, it's easy to collect blood samples and the CTDNA, um, it's very readily available and it's easy to extract as well. So when we sequence it, it gives us a... A 
greater picture of the tumor throughout. So it lets us know how it changed over time. So it's at the one-month mark, at the two-month mark, at the six-month mark. So we see, okay, because the cancer doesn't just develop once and then stops, there's mutations um, taking place throughout. So the treatment that might be working at the start might stop working midway. So um, it helps us identify those things and maybe gives us an idea of, okay, maybe this is a mutation. And we can look at um, what treatment options might have worked with other people with those mutations and then develop treatment options based on that. So it's, it's more to do with the prognosis uh, uh, yes, as far as I, I, I can understand. So yeah. what, what piqued your interest in this subject? Um, I guess the simplest way is I was compelled by curiosity. I was new, I wanted to become a scientist, but um, cancer particularly caught my eye when I was about nine or ten doing my GCSE biology. And I think um, it's really interesting in the way that only slight deviations from the normal process can um, result in such terrifying diseases. And I guess the fear that's associated with the disease as well is very unique in the sense that um, maybe people when diagnosed with other diseases don't have that um, same reaction as listening to maybe just hearing the word cancer because um, the reputation that it has coming as an emperor of all metals and stuff. So um, with with cancer as well, I guess you guys were discussing Mary Curie earlier. So she would, there's something that she said that... Uh, one thing in life is to be feared, it's only to be understood, and if we understand it, um, we may fear it less. So I think um, for me, I, I hope to try and understand cancer a bit more, along with my fellow peers, so we can um, help make it less fearful for people and um, improve their care and their chances at a better life. Well, good luck with that. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I just uh, named a few people in the history who has, you know, they, they have their bright names uh, in, in the history. And uh, we, we do expect your name with one day will be among them. Sure. Uh, but my question today, as we are discussing the contribution of women um, in science, uh, what's your experience? Uh, have you experienced a lack of female mentorship in your chosen field of study? Um, I, I guess at the beginning, yes, but, but that was before I um, came to Oxford now. Um, I'm on the and surrounded by role models, and I think I'm very lucky in that sense, I guess, statistically speaking as well. Um, a lot of my um, professors and mentors and supervisors, they're, they're trailblazers in their field, and I know that they've, they've been there and they've done this before, so they can guide me and help me. But I know that um, um, researchers or other universities don't have that same experience, which is something that's really unfortunate giving um, that it's really inspiring and reassuring to see oh, that this person has been down this path before me or someone is walking along it with me and they can help guide me through this. So well, I, now I hope that the tides will turn and we'll see a more um, inclusive and diverse future. But I know it's not always the case, especially in science fields where um, girls have to experience a lot of hardship before they can have the same treatment as someone who has the same competence as them but was born perhaps with a different gender or race. Um, you are not only a female, but you are a Muslim female as well. So, uh, regarding that, have you had any uh, have you had uh, any experience of hidden biases uh, which you have come across during your research? So, like, there's 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 instances um, that that are throughout your life, right? So, I think that's a part part of growing up and. Um, no one's life is particularly easy. So it's, we're not really aware of these things until we experience the situation that we knock on a door and it's close to us. But it's a learning process and it's nothing else that's taught me to be resilient. And I think it's an advantage as well, given the sense that um, I as a Muslim have conviction in what I'm doing. So we know that there's a cure for every disease besides that and we can 
um, we can work with that belief. So I, I try and look at the positives rather than the negatives that might be there. And I think biases will go down over time as well when people experience um, those are a result of fear as well. We don't know these people. They're they're new and they're coming to us. So we, when you grow and you learn to work with um, people from different backgrounds um, and you understand um, humans by nature are kind and understanding and empathetic creatures. So uh, hopefully, inshallah, what we are experiencing today is what will lead to a better and brighter future for uh, other people tomorrow. That's great. Um, and uh, what would be your message to young girls who are wanting to pursue a career in the STEM sector, but uh, they find it daunting? I think it's really um, just for them to cling on to their dreams um, and dream as big as they can. Um, it's true that a career in STEM is not like, easy, but it, life doesn't have to be easy, provided only that it's not empty. So um, doing something that makes you happy and it gives you meaning in life is really important. Um, and every day we make choices, so we should try and make the braver of those choices and stick to something that have, that is there for a greater purpose. So um, if you try and keep some, an end goal that is greater than yourself, then the help from God will be greater too. And uh, especially if we keep the service of humanity at the heart of all of our ambitions, um, inshallah, with hard work, prayers and uh, dedication, yes, they'll be able to achieve their goals. Siddhara, earlier I was talking about uh, one of the ladies who had a lot of uh, struggle to get into medicine. And, <coughs> sorry, as far as I um, know that from pa in, in Pakistan, we had um, a bit of experience that um, a, definitely a certain percentage of the, the ladies who graduated in medicine, um, they got married and they didn't pursue the career further. They didn't go into the profession. And that was one reason why they were not, you know, they were not very keen to give them um, a lot of uh, places uh, to the to the girls in medicine. Uh, what do you say about that? I think it, it it depends a lot about the support system that is there. There's nothing wrong about being wanting to be a homemaker and having a family, but I believe the girls who spent six years of their life studying medicine and working in that environment, they they would have at least wanted to continue in some form of practice as well. So th there might have been a lack of, there's definitely a lack of support system at the other end. So when they might go to their new home where their parents might have supported their ambitions and their wants, the in-laws might not have. So the, obviously marriage is a beautiful part of life and it's something that is um, so but it shouldn't be the only aspect to it um, where they're limited to only their roles as a mother. They can they can achieve so many things while being a good mother and a good wife. So raising awareness about the capabilities that people, women have as individuals and their, their ideas and their thoughts and just listening to what they want rather than enforcing is something that we really need to develop as a society and in humanity as a whole. We see this problem everywhere. It's not only in Pakistan. Um, I know of uh, women who experience the same problem outside as well where they might have developed a career in not only science, but say finance, um, banking, any industry. They, they set up a, a goal for themselves and they work towards it, but then they get married and they're expected to be stay-at-home moms and all that. Now there's a lot of other resources out there and there's a shared responsibility, especially with Islam, we're told, okay, everyone has their own responsibility and the pursuit of education is mandatory for both men and women and they have equal rights. So understanding um, religion and separating it from cultural biases is something that is really important and we need to do as a nation and as um, a species as a whole as well. 
That's great. Thank you very much, uh, Setara Bruch. Uh, thank you for joining us and uh, giving such eloquent answers. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that was uh, Setara Bruch. She's a postgraduate student at Oxford University and she's researching a very interesting study, um, I think, um, to CLL and Richter syndrome, trying to identify the, uh, the progress of cancer um, uh, just by having a blood sample, uh, just checking the DNA rather than taking a tissue biopsy. Mm -hmm. So a very interesting subject. Uh, and and uh, uh, she has clearly mentioned that, you know, there is no restriction. Uh, as far as, you know, current circumstances are concerned, um, although it varies from country to country, and uh, but particularly in, in the United Kingdom, we don't have any uh, such issues that the ladies, they can study whatever, uh, you know, they want to. And I, I remember my I had my personal experience that my daughter, you know, she went into chemical engineering and she mm. graduated. And, uh, and uh, of course, her marriage was not a restriction to her studies and continued. Uh, although, I mean, she hasn't continued the, her career into this field. She has changed her field. She, she, she still works. And... Uh, so women are not behind in mm -hmm. any way, and uh, there's no restriction uh, currently. And we hope that more and more uh, women do come into this uh, field of science, technology, engineering, and uh, mathematics, which is uh, uh, sort of lacking uh, with only 22% representation of women in these fields. You know, in, in, in 2021, <laughs> a survey by the <coughs> Society of Chemistry found that women were, on average... Uh, if you discuss about the pay, they paid only 78% of what uh, men were for the same role. While the RSC also found papers from female authors were more likely to be rejected, particularly in the reviewer was a man. So, and one of the examples is of, you know, Sheen Swing, you, who, uh, a physicist um, uh, who work uh, overturned the theory of uh, party uh, parity in physics. And her uh, breakthrough led to the Nobel led led to a Nobel Prize in 1957, which was awarded to her male colleague, and her work was overlooked. So I think that's sometimes people are facing, and especially women are facing this, uh, you know, problems. And uh, uh, as as I just mentioned, that uh, their efforts uh, and the, their work were overlooked, which uh, shouldn't be like that. And Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran that Allah will praise those who believe from among you and those to whom knowledge is given to degrees of rank and Allah is well aware of what you do and the verse does not you know differentiate or bring a difference between man and woman it simply states to whom knowledge is given which omits the concept of gender stereotype so you know every all regardless if women or men they should be treated similarly, the right should be given, and that they should be judged in a similar manner. Nobody, I think, personally, I think women, when they do work, they are more dedicated. That's, that's what I've seen, you know. I've, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the academy where, where they teach Quran, and I know how dedicated they are, how worried they are that they, their work should be, you know, on point. There shouldn't be any kind of, uh, uh, you know, um, shortcomings in their work. Yeah, very responsible as well. Uh, definitely, the women. Do you feel that you're, uh, you know, among your students? Um, exactly. uh, if you consider the male and females, 
and the 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 ladies the girls are more responsible they're more worried about the whether they have completed their uh, you know the task they were given and um, so they they carry out their work more responsibly and um, so um, i think it's it is uh, we uh, as a you know we we feel proud to be representative of the holy prophet may peace and blessings of allah be upon him who you know right 1400 years ago even more than that he he gave not only the equal rights but he also said that you know attaining knowledge is equally important for both men and women so um so, so that's why you know uh, that any discrimination in this mm. regard is against the teachings of islam and that's very clear from the, the teachings of the the holy quran and do you you in the beginning we were discussing about the proverb and of course if a man you know is uh, educating himself then it's only for him and it's very important that women should get knowledge it should go in these fields as you were mentioning before because even though they are staying at home they are you know educating their children they are on very you know if if let's suppose if women are not well educated there are fair chances that their children uh, you know possibly not paying attention to education as they should do and if they if the mother is well educated she knows w- what uh, you know my children should be doing so the, the he's she's taking more care of the children and uh, trying her best that their children uh, you know getting the uh, higher education and that they, they are doing well uh, you know that they, they, they she works along with them to, to, for them to find a better future you know uh, the i would like to <coughs> mention uh one of the you know aspects of the the, the current khalif of uh uh muslim association and reminded us that although islam say there's a difference in the physical makeup of man and woman and also in their responsibilities in terms of intellect just as man has been given in intelligence women too have been given intelligence just as and as just as man have been given commanded to acquire education women have granted equal capabilities and means for both men and women to progress and advance he has granted them both intellect so that they utilize their wisdom and activate their mental faculties and strive to excel one another so there should not be any you know discrimination there should not be any barriers for especially women to you know get knowledge and if well, i think the parents should try and you try the level best that their daughters are going uh, for uh, you know for 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 uh, getting a better uh, education and uh, to become a, a mothers who can you know educate them then then them the, the, their children and you know they they participate and they you know take take part in uh, in 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 the work which going on in the society uh if yes. we discuss yes yeah looking at the key factors hmm. you know, what perpetuates uh, the gender disparity in this stem sector um so so one of the factors is that there is uh, the culture is is male dominated culture hmm so because fewer women study and work in in stem um these fields tend to perpetuate uh, inflexible exclusionary male dominated cultures that are not supportive of or attractive to women uh, and minorities 
So fewer role models as well. The girls, they have fewer role models to inspire their interest in these fields. Seeing limited examples of female scientists and engineers in books, media, and popular culture. Then, of course, uh, representation of men and women, such as in textbooks, uh, is, is an important factor. And it can fuel unconscious biases and discourage women and people from minority communities from pursuing jobs in science. Um, there also, as we also mentioned earlier, in, uh, you know, with the, our first guest, that uh, there are household responsibilities and maintaining a work-life balance, responding to family obligations and having children or taking family leave makes it difficult, if not impossible, for women to give their time and attention to careers. Lack of support from the community makes it harder for women to pursue careers in demanding jobs. So I, th I suppose we have uh, our next, next guest yes. uh, online. Yes, we have uh, Zain Kareem, a student doing a degree in secondary math education with a license addition uh, to tech computer science. I welcome Zain Kareem in the uh, show. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. If we start off with the first question, uh, you know, what inspired you to pursue a career in teaching mathematics? Um, so I always wanted to be a teacher. Even when I was in first grade, I always said I wanted to be a teacher. Um, but I didn't know I wanted to be a math teacher until I was in high school. Because um, that's when I realized that I liked helping others with the assignments that we were doing in class. And then there's this other thing I realized as well is that some people think you want to teach math because math is easy for you, but I actually experienced that math was very challenging <laughs> for me, but it showed me that I overcome like difficult math problems, and I just thought that that was like something very satisfying like, to be able to overcome those small challenges like that. Um, so that made me want to teach math, um, and also having math teachers um, say that they thought it would be a good profession for me, that also helped encourage me. So have you witnessed a gender gap in your chosen field or what, what do you think in that regard? I think with teaching, a lot of elementary school teachers are women. But mm. as you go up and you go more towards like, for example, um, a college math professor, then not so many of them would be women. So it mm. depends like what um, age range or like, I guess, what level of mathematics um, as far as like women pursuing degrees, just like in math in general, um, the um, I saw some stats from the National Science Foundation, which is um, an organization in the U.S., and they said that roughly 40% of bachelor's and master's degrees in math and statistics were from women. Um, so that's less than half. But when you talk about doctoral math degree degrees, then it was less than 30%. So. You see, like, as it keeps going up, there's less representation of women. So, uh, so women, I know, are underrepresented and, uh, as we know, sometimes you're less often celebrated in science. Do you think this bias is stronger for uh, Muslim women? I think for Muslim women, there's always the stigma that some people um, think that Islam teaches that women shouldn't be educated and... Of course, this is not true. This is, you know, there are some extremist groups that may um, wrongfully do this, but those people are not representing Islam. Islam has always 
taught that everyone should um, pursue knowledge. Um, so I think sometimes because people, they're thinking about like those extremist groups and things like that, they can have a perception that um, Muslim women are taught that they shouldn't be educated. And so they might have a bias against them or think they're not as intelligent as other women. Uh, indeed. You know, do you think uh, racial discrimination adds on uh, to the gender bias in the STEM sector? And what has been your experience? Um, so not only am I, not only am I um, a woman in math, but also I'm a black Muslim woman. So those three things, mm-hmm. like they're all part of the experience like my experiences, like, you know, being in the field of mathematics and teaching mathematics. Um, and there's, there's something that really shocked me at um, my university is that mm-hmm. um, in 2021, um, I was at this webinar and they announced that um, Dr. Dominique Kemp, who um, he graduated with a PhD in math from my university, Indiana mm-hmm. University, mm-hmm. Um, he was the first black person to uh, earn a degree in mathematics, uh, to earn, uh, sorry, a PhD in mathematics mm-hmm. at Indiana University. And the math department at Indiana University has been around for over 100 years. And some people might think that, you know, the first black person to earn a PhD, that might have been back in like, like, I don't know, maybe even like 70s, 80s, 90s. But this literally only happened mm-hmm two years ago so um and he's obviously like he's a black man but i'm saying like you have that combined with being a woman as well and Mm. also being a muslim woman and you have those three things together and like the way those interact i definitely think that like my experience is different from maybe like a white woman or um a white muslim woman or um people with other um intersectionality in their identities Indeed, you know that that's. Um, thank you for sharing this. You know that's what we're discussing today. How sometimes they feel, uh, you know, that they face even other people face discrimination. And but uh, indeed, if I would like to ask if you how to overcome all this, if you would like to suggest, there must be you know the listeners. There, few of them might facing the same problem. To overcome, like um, sometimes you know, in the to overcome what <laughs> sometimes, as you mentioned. Uh, uh, as we're discussing, sometimes they have to face discrimination, or sometimes it's difficult for them uh, to, you know, they're facing some ongoing things in the universities. You must have seen it. So how to overcome all that and all that, and how you know you would uh, suggest the students to 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 carry on with, even though what's going on uh, in in their surroundings. Um, definitely, it's something that's difficult to overcome, and I'm mm-hmm. not sure if I could give like a one advice that would fix mm-hmm. this for people because I'm still trying to, you know, overcome those things myself. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would say, as a student, I had my my first math professor in university. Actually, she was a woman, even though we don't have a lot of female math professors. But mm-hmm. my first professor, my first math professor, was a woman, and she gave me some advice once. But she said, um, like sometimes as women, we don't like talk as much in class or something. And there are reasons for that because of, you know, lack of representation, not feeling so comfortable to talk. And she said, just because the men sometimes are talking more doesn't mean that they know more than you. Mm. Um, and 
Um, she said sometimes people talk more and they don't know as much as the people who are more quiet. So I guess women tend to, not, there, there are a lot of, you know, there's a lot of research to show that women don't participate as much in class, like raising their hand and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that because others are participating more than you doesn't mean that you are not on the same par as them. And just like always knowing that you you deserve to be there as much as everyone else. Indeed. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Zan Cream. Uh, good luck for your degree as well. Thank you for joining us and uh, sharing your experiences with us. Uh, thank you. Have a nice evening. Thank you very much. You are listening uh, to Zan Cream. Uh, she's a student. She was a student doing a degree in secondary math education with a license addition to tech computer science, and uh, she has uh, answered the question, uh, which uh, the topic which which we are covering today. And she has mentioned the experience she has, uh, she has seen in their in in her, uh, you know, university, and uh, she has given a very you know little advice as well that how to overcome and uh, never feel that you are uh, you know less than anybody. I think everybody uh, has uh, God has given you know this similar mind, and they can you know uh, compete with anybody in in their in the, in the universities or in their schools. So Just looking at yeah. the, I'm you know, I mentioned a few names in the history, but mm-hmm. then currently we still have mm-hmm. some uh, big names who have done very well, um, you know, despite the circumstances that uh, they have done mm-hmm. well in um, science. Uh, they have made major advances in the traditionally male-dominated disciplines, and one of the name is Professor. Sarah Gilbert, uh, she's a professor of vaccinology who led the development of the COVID vaccine, you know, the Oxford uh, AstraZeneca vaccine at Oxford University. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there is another name, Mariam Mirzakhani. She um, is a mathematics professor at Stanford University and the one and only four people to receive a Fields Medal, a prestigious award in mathematics. She studies shapes and surfaces in several fields of abstract mathematics including hyperbolic geometry mm-hmm. indeed and there are uh, women as you're mentioning who are you know, they have made their name uh, and they're women of today and of course there's an open field for everybody uh, for the coming uh, you know women uh, that do to excel in these fields now we have our next guest with us uh, Isabel Torres uh, who's co-founder and CEO of Mothers in Science Science editor with a PhD in uh, genetic uh, genetics from University of Cambridge. I welcome her in the show. Peace be upon you. Thank you very much for joining us today. Hello, thank you, thank you for Hello. inviting me. To start with the first question, would you like to tell us about mothers in science? What is it about? Okay, so uh, Mothers in Science is an international non-profit organization. We are based in France, but we are working all over the world. Um, we mm. are the leading global organization advocating for mothers in STEM, and mm. we try to create solutions to promote workplace equity and inclusion of not just mothers, uh, but mothers and other caregivers. So we uh, try to raise awareness of the systemic barriers that faced by mothers, um, we try to connect and support uh, mothers in STEM, and we also do research so that we can use the data and create, you know, policies to break down the barriers um, and promote inclusion as caregivers. 
Great. Um, if we uh, discuss, as we're discussing about, uh, you know, underrepresenting, representing in the STEM sector, especially if we discuss with women, what are some challenges uh, the mothers especially especially facing and how do these challenges impact their career professions? Okay, so um, our data and uh, the group's data is showing now that, you know, the, the, the gender gap is mostly caused by a massive exit of of women with children from the mm, workforce. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really important to retain mothers. So there are many problems. Uh, many affect both mothers and fathers and other caregivers, but most obstacles are disproportionately af- um, affect mothers because mm. traditionally mothers are the primary giver um, and this leads to many inequities and biases. For example, and I know this is a huge problem in UK, lack of childcare is a huge problem mm. uh, globally. So. Because whenever childcare support fails, for example, when there's unexpected school closures, uh, when the children are sick, uh, or just when childcare is unaffordable, um, mm. it is systematically the mother who will take care of the children, often at the expense of her career. So this is one problem. Another problem are career gaps. Again, because in most countries, mothers will take a much longer parental leave than fathers, and fathers Quite often, they want to take longer parental leave. Um, so mothers will stay away from work for longer. They are also more likely to stop working to look after the children or co- to work part-time. And again, this creates inequalities in career progression. Mm. And finally, but not uh, the, probably the most important problem, there's a huge problem um, that we speak less about, and that's pregnancy and maternity bias. So in our research, we found that maternity bias is widespread in STEM all over the world. This was a global survey. And our data suggests that, you know, this maternity bias correlates with a decline in scientific production. So what Mm. happens is that after having children or even when women are still pregnant, uh, they may be fired or demoted. They may be removed from projects. Mm. Um, They are offered fewer professional opportunities like invitations to speak at conferences or to be part of an academic committee, for example. And uh, our research shows they are perceived by their peers as being less competent, competent just for having children. And this, of course, will affect, you know, scientific production and career progression. Indeed, uh, you know, you have given the insight, actually, what's been happening and why, uh, you know, this um, is the case. If we, uh, you know, discuss your personal experience, how that's been uh, as a researcher, and how did you deal with these biases? So um, I did experience some of these biases during my career. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually quite subtle, and that's the dangerous with, you know, this unconscious bias is that people who have them, they don't know they have them. And when you experience them, you don't know you're experiencing, experiencing them. Mm. So, for example, what I experienced was, you know, people just started assuming that I was no longer ambitious, that I didn't, I didn't care about my career mm. just because I had children. So to just assume that now I'm on my mummy track and I don't care about my career, mm. and this, this may, this, this resulted in me being sidelined or invisible. You know, I lost confidence, and you know, I received fewer invitations for things. Um, you know, things that don't seem very important, but you know. After a while, it, it really affects your confidence. And what I, what it happened to me is that I just thought it was my fault. I thought 
there must be something wrong with me. And I just started working harder and harder to try to prove that I was still as competent, as driven as before. Mm. And this really, really impacted my career and my career choices. And it was only many years later that I understood I wasn't the problem. And it was when I started speaking to other moms. Mm. And I realized that pretty much every woman, I, every woman I knew had been through the same. And they were telling similar stories of biases, sometimes, you know, just blame <clears throat> discrimination in the workplace after becoming mothers. Mm. So what I did was to start this organization so that we can share these stories and raise awareness of these biases. True indeed. Um, so how do we undo these uh, uh, deep-rooted discrimination against women in academia? Um, so it, it's quite hard. It starts by raising awareness. Mm. Um, so our organization, we are now leading a global movement for mothers in STEM, mm. and we really want to call on our leaders for immediate action. Mm. And this is because meaningful change really has to come from the top. So our leaders need to acknowledge these problems, stop denying them, and they need to be accountable. And then they need to take action and start introducing policies to eliminate these biases and discrimination. So of course it's important that we all are aware of these biases, but you know, there's only so much we can do as individuals. So we just published, just very quickly, we just published an action plan uh, outlining 25 policy recommendations to promote inclusion of caregivers and mm. to eliminate these biases and, and inequities. Um, yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Go on. I just uh, wanted uh, to ask something from you. That's fine. Please go on. Please finish your answer. Sorry, I didn't understand. No, you, you can f- finish your answer. I was just I wanted to ask something from you, but you can finish your answer first. If you have finished, then I can go to the, the, the my question I have in my mind. <laughs> okay. No, I just wanted to say, uh, explain why we decided mm. to start by funding agencies is because in academia, since mm. we are talking about academia in particular, funding success is absolutely fundamental for career progression. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know there's a lot of gender biases and mothers are marginalized by the funding system. Um, so we really want, you know, funding agencies to take accountability, set the example, and start implementing policies to to basically reform the entire system. Indeed, uh, but would you think, well, you know, on the higher level, there should there should be any policies or resources uh, that should be available for them to support mothers who want to pursue their careers in STEM? Yes. Um, so, as I mentioned, we outlined many of these policies mm. in our action plan, so this is a good place to start. So, we need financial support, for mm. sure, to ensure, to ensure research continuity. Mm-hmm. For example, you know, for this career break that I, I, I spoke about. For example, you know, funding to hire technicians mm-hmm. or research students to conduct research or field work while mothers are on maternity leave. Um, so there's no gap in the CV. Mm-hmm. We also need something very obvious, which is nurseries. You know, research institutions could have their own nurseries mm-hmm. or childcare subsidies to help pay for nurseries when they are unaffordable, to help pay for after clubs or nannies, babysitters, mm-hmm. you know, because it's always the moms taking time off work to, to take care of the children. Indeed, yeah. Um, we need flexible remote work options by default, so we don't have to ask them. Uh, we need grants to help moms go to conferences. This is a huge problem. Um, and conferences, 
it's, it's really important for in academia, you know, to, to have visibility, to promote your work, to establish collaboration. We need hybrid options for conferences. And of course, we need meetings and networking events should never take place after standing working hours because, you know, mothers or fathers, they won't be able to attend them. Mm. So childcare support and flexibility at work are two big ones. And of course, we need to tackle, just to finish quickly, pregnancy and maternity bias. You know, we can't continue perpetuating this culture of bias and discrimination. Mm-hmm. Um, so research institutions, funding agencies, science societies, again, they need to acknowledge the problem. They, they have to accept that academia is not a meritocratic system, and they need to accept that mothers are leaving STEM careers because the system is marginalizing them, and then they need to take the necessary action. Indeed, but how can they reach uh, you if they need any help in that regard? So we are approaching uh, funding agencies at the moment, research institutions, to work with them. We want to support Mm. them. We want to help them with our research and our policy recommendations. They can Mm. just check our website, drop me an email um, at isabel.torres, hashtag medicinescience.com. If they contact us, we are ready to help. Um, and, you know, this is what we're here for. That's fine. Thank you very much, um, Isabel, uh, for, you know, joining us today and giving us insight about Mother in Science, and you're doing a wonderful job. And thank you, so uh, thank you. Uh, once again. Uh, have a nice evening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Uh, you were listening to Isabel Torres, uh, who is co-founder and CEO of Mothers in Science, and uh, she's a science editor with a PhD in genetics from University of Cambridge. Of course, education plays a crucial role in empowering girls mm. and women. But how far do we uh, do the countries still need to go to ensure that every girl has access to education and every woman is literate and equipped with digital skills? The Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he emphasized on gaining knowledge in the following words. He said, seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave. The head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masoor Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, he encouraged young girls to strive to excel in their studies and pursue their fields of interest. His Holiness states, My advice to you all is that you should try to excel in your studies. All of you should try to learn as much as you can and complete your studies. If you are interested in medicine, do medicine or pursue engineering, law, teaching, or if you want to go into research, you can go into research. You should try to excel in your education and try to gain as much education as you can. So various organizations today are putting in an immense effort to recognize and create opportunities for girls to pursue education, and especially in science. And we need to frequently highlight the many female role models who chose and excelled in fields often regarded better suited for men. Only then can we raise a a generation of girls fearlessly making their way um, into the unknown expanse of science. You know, I would like to share even, you know, the, as you mentioned about uh, the caliph, the head of Ahmadiyya Muslim community, and you have mentioned that how, uh, you know, His Holiness said that you should be striving to excel and you should be continuing, you should be doing medicine. Even my wife, you know, we were got married, and after very few months, 
you know his holiness said because he's a doctor who said you know his his holiness said that you should be working should be going to the hospital you should be continuing your you know your, your uh, career, career yeah. because mm-hmm. you know if especially the, there are some fields they should not be sitting at home they are you know going other helping society you know the human being and i've seen myself is just these are just not the words he himself has mentioned me and my wife to you know carry on what you have been doing so you know in, cl- in conclusion in his another address on the ahmadiyya muslim research association uh, amra 14 december 2019 the head of ahmadiyya muslim community hazrat mirza masood ahmad may allah be his helper explained that true believers are not content to merely sit and wonder at the creation rather they strive to learn the hidden qualities as and as a result they are drawn closer to god almighty he further described that when a true believer implores for help god grants them the support and understanding of the universe and they learn that they you know that the heavens and the earth could never have come about itself rather they point to magnificent creator in conclusion his holiness may allah be his helper said to the researchers and scientists that it is up to them to think of ways of achieving outstanding accomplishments and this can be achieved through mutual discussion and collaboration so this is the principle we need to adhere to to, to while uh, abolishing all gender bias in order to pave our way into the future and undeniably there there were and still are remarkable women in all spheres of life but the more important discussion is the one that explores why there were so few and how and why their talents and those of whom we'll never hear about were not mentioned enough from the studying the stars to the structure of dna there's nothing women cannot accomplish and uh, their contributions have been exceptionally and invaluable in allowing progress to be made in leaps and bounds so indeed we have discussed this topic in detail the women you know should be acquiring uh, knowledge as we mentioned in the beginning as the holy prophet peace be upon him mentioned that it is is a duty of every muslim man and every muslim woman to acquire knowledge and the parents especially i would like to say that they should be encouraging encouraging their daughters and helping their daughters and try to you know find to show show them a way that how can they you know have a better uh, you know education or a same education the equal education as uh, men are getting so in the next hour we will be discussing another topic as i mentioned earlier that we will be discussing gratitude how it uh, will change your life and uh, for that we will be having some guests who will be covering uh, this topic and we will be going in depth to understand more about this topic so <clears throat> please join us after the news break and uh, you can also call us on 02086877878 and uh, you can you know ex- share your experience and if you would like to something you can definitely uh, tell us and please join us after the news break allah You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. 
السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ پیس اینڈ بلیسنگ فلاح بی اپون آن آل اوور لسنرس ویلکم ونس اگین اینڈ جوائن از بیک آن ٹوڈیز شو ہیئر ان وائس آف اسلام یو آر لسننگ ٹو انیکو رحمان فرام لرن اسٹوڈیو ان وائس آف اسلام لرن اسٹوڈیو اینڈ آئی جوائنڈ بائی انیدر کو پرزینٹر ڈاکٹر طارق باشوا ہو از ود می ان دا اسٹوڈیو In the first hour, we have uh, discussed science and the contribution women have been doing in the field of science. And this hour, we will be discussing, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the, the, impo- the very important topic, uh, which is gratitude. You know, we will be discussing how gratitude will change one's life. And uh, it is not something which we think that this is, 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 is doesn't affect on our soul. when we have gratitude definitely it has a impact so in our show today we will be discussing gratitude what is gratitude and what does it mean uh, to be grateful we will be considering the importance of uh, gratitude and how it can impact our well-being and mental health and we begin uh, with the verse of the holy quran uh, where we are not only instructed to be grateful but told that uh, you know if it's uh, important There are so many verses of the Holy Quran where God Almighty, you know, explains that how one should be grateful because when a person is grateful, it's a grateful, it's a benefit, uh, it's, it's for him. And the, the verse I would like to mention here of the Holy Quran and God Almighty says, and I quote that, And we bestowed wisdom on Luqman, saying, Be grateful to Allah, and who, who is grateful is grateful only for the good of his own soul. And who is ungrateful is then surely Allah is self-sufficient, praiseworthy. Chapter 13, 31, verse 13. In this verse, Allah the Almighty has declared that He does not gain any benefit from our gratitude. However, it is only us who will receive the benefit. If we define gratitude, gratitude in simple words, it means to be thankful for, or thanking others for any favors that uh, they may have done a favor could be as small as giving uh, you know pedestrian way to cross the road and here let's discuss a short passage from the book Islam's response to contemporary issues written by the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya community Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmad may Allah have mercy on him he wrote that and I quote We will in such a fast-paced world that there is an inherent, inherent danger that some people would become ungrateful to their benefactor. Instead of expressing gratitude for any favors they receive from others, they may end up saying that what one has given us was our right. There is no need for us to be grateful to such a person at all. If this tendency were to be promoted to then it would be the cost of courteous and decent behavior. And we are reminded here to not forget that we are not on anything from anyone and hence we should always show gratitude even for the smallest of things. And gratitude is key for moral training and though it is important to be grateful to others, it is essential to be grateful to our Creator. In a Friday sermon delivered by On July 13, 2012, His Holiness Mirza Masur Ahmad Mayallah B.S. said 
that gratitude should not only come in the form of words or speech, but in practical actions as well, such that every part of person's body and organs should express this form of gratitude. What is gratitude? He says, what is gratitude? He says the gratitude is, the, is, is, is that a person's entire existence should prostrate before God in humility and express his love for divine to make efforts to gain that love, to affirm that every blessings in his life is from God and indeed to declare that with words from the tongue the praise and glory of the Lord and to utilize his gifts such that they become a source of gaining God's pleasure. Allah the Almighty showers such servants with increased blessings and bounties. So, when we show gratitude, of course, we should be showing gratitude first of all to God Almighty who has created everything. And again, you know, when we start doing this, this process of be become a grateful to other people, it starts. Yeah, I think it's the, it's the attitude. Hmm. It's the attitude that certainly, you know, earlier uh, you, you said that, and it's, it's, it's very, very important that if you become gratitude, it is going to be, you are the one who is going mm. to be uh, beneficial mm. out of it because the thing is, just just look at people who are who keep moaning at everything. Mm. Okay, oh, there's this, uh, something has gone wrong and mm. and they always look at the negative things and never, never uh, see the positive things. What uh, God Almighty has given um, them and, uh, it, and it's so important to have that kind of attitude which God Almighty has taught us uh, and uh, he he has uh, said that those who do not uh, who are not thankful to to people mm. to men to they they cannot be thankful to god almighty either because practically even if you, you may be saying by by the word of mouth you might say thank god or uh, alhamdulillah but practically it has to be in your practice as mm. well that okay, if you are thankful to somebody, w w what can you do about it? You mm. know, how are you going to show your thankfulness? And that is that is very very important. That uh, you look at the blessings which you have got, and uh, you see, if we look at the uh, attributes of God Almighty, and now the, the uh, and and the very f important, the most important, which were mentioned right in the beginning of the Holy Quran which starts with the in the name of Allah who is, and the two attributes I mentioned that is Rahman and Rahim and Rahman it comes of out of mercy and Rahim also comes out of mercy and f from his being mercy the first one Rahman is that the things he has done for you without you having done anything for him hmm. you don't deserve it you haven't worked for it you haven't done any um, hard work for it but because of his attribute of being Rahman that he gives without any of your effort. It is that his mercy is flowing out and just like a mother takes care of a child, you know, he has mercy on you and he has granted you so many things without you uh, deserving it, without you, um, you know, uh, having earned hmm. them. So for those things, if we look at those things and then start counting them, and then you will be thankful for everything because you know if you if you look uh, at yourself, like you, you can see, okay, there are many mm. things. Um, there are many people who cannot see, okay. Yeah. Now, why you have been chosen to have the eyesight, whereas the mm. other people haven't uh, got that eyesight? Mm. Is that uh, is is it not enough that you should be thankful to God for that? 
Uh, he has given you hands. He has given you legs to walk. Many a times, you know, we come across people who would, would say, I, I just wish that I could go around the corner to post my letter. You know, mm. because they are they are not able to walk, and, mm. and and that is the biggest sort of desire in their minds. So, so when we are walking a step, we, at every step, one should be thankful to God Almighty that you know He has given us um, so many faculties without us, you know, having any special credit or or special. Uh, we, we do not deserve in comparison to somebody who doesn't have that, who is not fortunate enough that we are mm. we are born with uh, both parents. You know, even even the Holy Prophet, may peace of, uh, and blessings of Allah be upon him, the Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, when he was born, you know, his father had already, pa- already passed away. He didn't have the, mm. the opportunity to, or, uh, to, to have his father. Uh, and then, you know, his mother passed away when he was, uh, you know, still very young. Um, he was six years old when he... Uh, and, and see that the most grateful person on earth, mm-hmm. if you see, is the Holy Prophet. To the extent he was so thankful to God all the time, he mentioned God so many times that you know the 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 the, the non-believers they, they said to him that he has become a lover. Mm. Uh, he has fallen in love with his God. Uh, so so that that is the extent that. Um, and there is there is a, a, a couplet, uh, a, a part of the couplet I, I, I just uh, am reminded, is that Adate zikr bhi dalo ke ye mumkin hi nahi Dil mein ho ishke sanam lab pe magar naam na ho That you should also mention, because it is not possible hmm. that you love somebody and you don't mention by you know uh, with your lips you don't mention his name so you should always be thankful and this attitude always will help you it will help your health it will help your your progress in life your positive attitude being thankful at small things you know you don't have to be you know it is a huge big thing but even if you are thankful on small things what almighty will give you big things as well because that is that is the way uh, he behaves. That is what is his uh, attribute uh, of mercy. That he says that if you line shakartum la dannakum, that if you will be thankful, yes. I'll give you more. Yep. He has promised that. So, uh, so that is as regards uh, a Muslim is concerned. That that is his attitude. That he is thankful first of all to God, who is the Creator, and then anybody who does any favor to him. Because you know it is, it is in one's nature mm-hmm. that. You know, you are attracted to two things. One is beauty. That is in nature because you are a human being has been made in the nature of God Almighty himself. Mm. And God Almighty says that you, you can't deny that, that one, you you will be attracted to beauty. And the second thing is if somebody has done a favor to you, mm. you will always be attracted towards that person. And you will try to, uh, you know, somehow in whatever form you, you try to return that uh, favor and uh, you know, in, in comparison to God Almighty, if you if you see, uh, maybe that to a human being you 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 may get a chance that you can return the favor, but God Almighty has done so many favors that apart from that, you always, as very beautifully was mentioned by you know in the quotation by Hazrat uh, Mirza Tahir Ahmed, the fourth caliph, he he has mentioned that you know all the time, you you should become thankful to God. 
in persona, your whole person should, mm. should become as if you are thankful to God Almighty. So every movement, every word you say, <coughs> sorry, every action you take should be um, saying that you are thankful to God Almighty. And not me merely word of mouth, but your action. Because you, if you are doing something good for somebody else, mm. for, his, for his creation, for example, People, you know, we have got lots of um, tendencies that people um, join this, the um, the associations which help the animals. You know, the animals are creation of God. So mm. even if you do that, that is an act of kindness. That's a being grateful to God Almighty. If you, uh, particularly, we've got the Humanity First, which is an organization which helps the human beings, um, keeping giving the priority to, to mm. human beings' needs, and they go out and they help. So if you are uh, you are joining that, uh, uh, that also shows that you are showing the gratitude towards God Almighty. What God Almighty has given you, you are trying to um, transfer it um, in, in a way, whatever you know, whatever your capabilities, your, uh, your God has given you. Uh, and, and that is an, under the commandment of God Almighty. You know, as you were mentioning about uh, <clears throat> the prime example of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, I think we don't find any other example the way he has seen the difficulties in his life and even then he was uh, grateful, he to, was so grateful. Yeah, yeah, gr to God Almighty. And um, you know, he was orphaned from a very young age and he has seen so many things and you know, in his, in his life. And once uh, his wife, you know, he was praying to God Almighty a lot and his wife asked that... Uh, O oh, Prophet of Allah, the God has given you everything, that why you are worshipping him? And then he replied that shouldn't I shouldn't be grateful to God Almighty that uh, he has given me everything and, you know, he has, uh, you know, listened all my prayers and, uh, you know, he was with me and protected me uh, all of my journey. And, and he used to, you know, stand up for whole night and remembering him just to show his gratefulness towards God Almighty that, yes, O oh God, O oh my Creator, I'm in love with you. I am showing the gratitude towards you, and we find in, in, in the saying of uh, you know in, in the saying of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. And people have the, the companion of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him rated that uh, the, the prayers of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him used to so long that you know we could not even stand next to him, and uh, all he was doing just to you know show his gratitude towards God Almighty, and. Uh, that's what we need to basically, you know, uh, look up to and uh, follow the footstep of the Holy Prophet, Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Even though we face difficulties in this life and we often, you know, sometimes start, you know, saying against God Almighty, why he has done this to me. And we forget all all the, you know, the, the uh, you know, uh, bounties of God Almighty, which God Almighty has showered upon us and uh, we become ungrateful to him. And we don't sometimes even think about what God has given to us. If we wake up in the morning, you know, the the oxygen, it, there was, uh, uh, you know, uh, the videos and uh, you must have seen the going on on, on WhatsApp. Yeah, and yeah. people in the COVID especially, you know, they're paying yeah, the a lot for the oxygen. So important. Yeah, that's true. And God has given it for free. And we take it, you know, uh, we, we don't really, you know, we don't become a grateful God Almighty and we, uh, you know, take it... Uh, uh, what do you say? Uh, you know, we really, you know, uh, do not show gratitude towards God Almighty, which we should, you know, pay attention to. And 
understand that God has given so many things in this life, and if we stop, you know, giving all those, and we will die in 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 very, uh, you know, second uh, second and. If God has given us everything, then we have to show the gratitude towards Him, and we have to understand that God has given this, and we have to have, you know, gratitude within us. And when we start showing gratitude to God Almighty, it will, you know, bring a change on our souls, and then in our daily life, we will, you know, show the gratitude towards people as well. There are some people, you know, who are great, grateful to others, but there are some, even though they see so many, you know, uh, other people are helping them, other people are with them in their difficulties, but they are not grateful to anybody. And uh, whenever it is their turn, they do not show any kind of kindness or, you know, affliction towards other person if they are in need. So understanding the gratitude to become a grateful, it's very important. And, you know, to practice of gratitude, and the and incorporation of it into everyday life has a significant importance and value. And uh, there is an old saying that if you have forgotten the language of gratitude, you will never be on speaking terms with happiness. Turns out his saying holds more truth to it than we thought. So sometimes, you know, if you are grateful to just a human being and they know you are grateful, they might help you more that he is a very, you know, he's, he's grateful to me. If your attitude towards that person is you're ungrateful, he would never help you again. This is something, you know, comes up, even though there are people, even even though, you know, they really don't care if somebody is grateful to them or not, as God Almighty, you know, we see in our daily life. But the topic or, the, you know, the, the important thing we need to understand that we have to be grateful to, you know, God Almighty and the human being around us. A survey was done by the Voice of Islam, and the question was uh, put mm. to people, what are you thankful for today? And the answers are quite interesting, uh, and people have been um, quite thankful. So one answer is for having a warm, cozy home, enough food, and knowing my loved ones are safe. Another response is from peaceful life and for everything positive in life, Another one is every little thing from cup of tea to the roof on my head to the breath I'm taking. Mm. Um, another one is from um, for good health. Another one is thanks for being able to wake up. Alhamdulillah. And uh, another one responses for everything and my parents. So quite a few responsible. So just to say that, you know, when we say Alhamdulillah, it is a response to, you know, when somebody says, you know, how are you, how mm. are you doing? Uh, so the, the, I, an Islamic response or the Muslim response is Alhamdulillah. Well, the word Alhamdulillah, this is an Arabic word, and it, it means that all praise belongs to, belong to Allah. So when you, are, uh, when you are saying that, that you are praising God Almighty, so basically that is a, a, a word of thanks to God Almighty. The, whatever he has given, whatever he uh, circumstances you are in, uh, you thank Allah and you praise Allah in in response to that. Uh, you know, saying thanks to Him. This is the, uh, the the best way to thank God Almighty and to acknowledge uh, that you are grateful to Him. You know, in Islam is the beauty of Islam that after doing anything, you have a prayer which you praise God Almighty. You know, there's a prayer when you wake up. 
there are people who while sleeping they just leave this world you know they die and you know god has the holy prophet peace be upon him has taught us a prayer that when you wake up you should be praying that god that is you who has given me this life back i'm back to the life even though you know we don't realize but there are many people who just leave this world and uh, one day i was having a food even this just four or five days and we read the prayer that all praise belongs to allah who has given us food and you know who had made us muslim and i was so hungry and realized that day <laughs> you know even though we read it all the time but <laughs> yes yeah. indeed if, you know, it is yeah. god who has provided this and moments, exactly that, yeah, exactly that, that is that is very very true yeah <laughs> <laughs> when you when you're hungry you realize the importance of food exactly and uh, you, you know, are you are really grateful at that time that you know at that particular so so uh, so i think if you are helping somebody who is in need Yeah, sometimes you know people come to you and they say oh you could you please pray for me for this mm. thing for this thing for this thing mm. and i always say that you know um the prayer actually comes from your heart mm. so if you want somebody to pray for you you should do something you know you've got mm. elderly people who are you know very righteous pious people whose prayers are accepted uh, and uh, you don't have just to say go and say to them do a little thing for them mm. you know so that the prayer comes from from their heart for you and that is what is accepted that is what goes right straight to god almighty and is is accepted so very small things sometimes they need just you know that uh, you can um, uh, you can sort out their uh, their iphone for example you know there are elderly mm. people they they don't know how to do it sometimes just to you know sort it out from some some app or something uh, yeah, like that i don't know how to translate nazre karam <laughs> nazre karam and yeah. you know that's yeah. of of people who are saintly people or as you mentioning you know just go and helping them out if they look at you with with the eyes with full yeah, of prayers they, that they that should be pray. it changes your life indeed yeah you know we have our first uh, guest with us uh, now uh, munira zahabi uh munira zahabi is an entrepreneur and empowering speaker business uh, and facility and sales management consultant she is the nickel navigator and she's uh, uh, she's with us today and i welcome her in the uh, show uh, peace be upon you thank you very much for joining us today in the show thank you so much for having me assalamu alaikum wa alaikum assalam if we you know start off with the very first question i would like to ask how do you define gratitude and why is it important in your life gratitude to me means happiness mm-hmm. uh because when we i tell you a story i know i'm diving right in but my father always taught me to look at the thing I cried because I had no shoes then I met a man with no legs. Mm-hmm. And that thing has stuck with me through the mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. because every time you want something you always look at what you have what you want and if it is a need or a want. So to me it makes you happy and if we as people just try to be happy with what we have then we wouldn't have a lot of crime we wouldn't have a lot of sadness we wouldn't have people who are negative all the time in fact people would be more positive it would improve our 
socio-economic and it would help individuals to be just happy, to be more positive in life. Indeed. Uh, can you share a specific uh, instance in which practicing gratitude had a positive impact on uh, your well-being? Three years ago, just before COVID was announced worldwide, my mm-hmm. husband passed away. Uh-huh. I was very, very angry because I had taken care of this man who was sick for seven years. Mm. And I just didn't want that that period to end. But all of a sudden, I was in February and March, I was all alone, alone at home, mm. didn't figure out because every the world was shut down. Mm. And what it allowed me to do is to journal and to figure out everything that I had with him because most of the time what we do as people is we wait for until the time is right mm. my husband was the time type of person that if he felt like he needed to do something he would do it right away mm. uh, you know and i i allowed myself to be with him and to enjoy the fact that we could go for ice cream anytime we wanted or you know, even if it was at two o'clock in the afternoon or take a trip to Turkey if we had to, if he felt like it and said, we need a break, let's go to Turkey. Mm. And I, it allowed me to see the world in a different perspective. So being thankful when I, I, I didn't realize it then, but you always never realize it until whatever you have is no longer with you Mm. and journaling the fact that I have been able to have so many mixed blessings put a different perspective in my life. Indeed, indeed. Uh, You know, if we are very sad to hear that as well. And of course, as you mentioned, that uh, person realize, uh, you know, when the thing which we have is not with you, the importance of uh, that thing or that person. If we move on to our next question, how can individuals cultivate a habit of gratitude, especially in difficult times? The fact that you wake up in the morning, Hmm. the fact that you did wake up and the fact that you can open your eyes and the fact that you can just jump out of bed early in the morning and say, Shukran, alhamdulillah, right? Mm. That those two words. Because you don't know there are people out there who can't get out of bed, mm. who want to stand up and cannot, who want to open their eyes, but they cannot. Mm. But why are you blessed with that one thing? We don't take little things for granted, right? Mm. When my husband passed away, I met this one lady who said, I know what you're feeling, but... No, when my husband was sick, actually, when I was really mad because he had kidney disease. And and I'm I'm very open about the fact that, yes, he didn't take care of his health and any of that stuff. But I'm going to tell you that when people get a lot of sickness and people are not, you know, people are sick, they get angry and everything. This one lady told me, take every moment with a grain of salt. Mm. And this allowed me to enjoy the seven years of his illness. It wasn't fun, Hmm. but it allowed me to enjoy every moment. So I'm asking the listeners to do one thing. If you have glasses, you should be thankful. If you have 
clean water to drink, you should be mm. thankful. If you have a chair to sit on, you should be thankful. Because so many of the things that we take for granted, there are people deprived out of it. Mm, indeed. You know, then how has gratitude helped you from uh, form or maintain meaningful relationship with others? First of all, first the first thing is, like you and I connected. Mm. I didn't know you mm. until a few weeks ago. And the fact that out of the blue, I was able to, one, use technology to connect with you. Mm. We're using this technology to connect with you and to talk to so so many thousands of people and so they can hear my voice. This is amazing, right? We didn't have this years ago. But the fact is that we can cultivate these and nurture these relationships only if you're thankful. Mm. This, the fact that I'm on your show today is, wow, I'm talking to so many different people. I'm so thankful for that. And the fact that you allowed me so that my voice was heard to so many people. Those little things, again, it's all about the little things, never about the big things, because people forget. So if we are thankful about little things, then the big things will come to us. You know, how, how do you believe uh, society as a whole can benefit from a more widespread practice of gratitude? Wow, that's a very, very powerful question. But I'm going to tell you, that first of all, you have to feel the emotion. The three E's that I use is feel the emotion. You meet a person, just meeting a person and, you know, listening to the Sharia of the Prophet, that you meet a person and you just even make eye contact and smile with the eyes. Those are emotional things that you have the eyes to make that contact with that person. So feel that emotion. And then extend the gratitude. Hey, I'm so thankful that you have time for me. You made time for me today. One thing that we don't understand is the most important commodity in our lifetime is time. But we have to extend that gratitude. Hey, you know what? You spent five minutes with me. That's amazing. Because all we ever hear is, I don't have time. Oh my God, I don't have time. Our schedules are so busy. And then the third thing, is exercise. Anytime you drink a water, you know, you do something, you use something, you eat something, just keep saying thank you because the universe is listening to you. Indeed. Like, uh, I know there's two different thoughts of, of exercising this. Mm-hmm. People are going to say, I'm sorry to cut you off, but people are going to say, but if I'm just thankful for everything, then why do I... Uh, why do I want more? Well, wanting is different things. Needing is different things. Mm. But the more you extend your gratitude with something and keep saying thank you, the more you get. Indeed, this is the saying uh, in uh, the, the verse of the Holy Quran as well in Shakartum Lazi. The Nakma, if you praise or if you're grateful towards me, I'll give you more. So, absolutely, you're right. Uh, and thank you very much uh, for joining us today and, uh, you know, giving us uh, insight uh, about gratitude and uh, sharing uh, your, your journey. Uh, thank you very much once again and have a nice evening. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, we were <coughs> listening to Munira Zahabi.
and uh, she has answered uh, and she has discussed the topic of uh, gratitude. As before, our guests, we were discussing about being grateful to God Almighty and, uh, you know, as uh, Munir Azabi was mentioning as well, you know, earthquake came in, 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 in Turkey. Many of us, you know, we are here today and many have lost their lives. You know, earthquake can come anywhere, anytime. Absolutely. And right now we should be grateful to God Almighty and, you know, the act of kindness as well is to pay attention to others, to help those people who are, you know, facing all those difficulties in in that area. And we should be grateful that how God has protected you and if God has, you know, there must be a reason behind it that why they have faced this, but what you should be doing right now should be grateful to God Almighty and should be, you know, the act of kindness should be that, uh, or the action of uh, gratitude is to help those people who are struggling in in, in, in that area. You know, once I was <clears throat> in, in, in in a country, uh, in, in Pakistan, and there was a person who whose age was around 24, 25, and he was selling something, and... Uh, and somebody approached him and I was looking at him and he said, you know, what do you want? And uh, he said, I just want one chapati. He was 24 years old trying to sell what he had. He said, I didn't have a food for the last two days. I, can, I could see from on his face that he didn't have anything to have. And living in this country, we have, you know, I don't want to name anything. You, you you think about it is there, okay? And uh, so it's very important to uh, understand that how much grateful we should be towards God Almighty. And, you know, God also says that you should be helping others as well. And if we love God Almighty, if we are grateful towards Him, then we should share what we have. We should, you know, feel the pain of others, that how many children are there, they sleep without having food, they are orphaned, they are in need, they are facing difficulties, and God has given you, and it is our duty. And, you know, this is the act of, you know, to, to, be, to be grateful to God Almighty that we should help others. If we're just taking in thinking about our own selves and just trying to save as, as much as we can, that means you have no kindness, you have, uh, you know, you're not even grateful to God Almighty and you're not even listening to Him. When God says that a grateful, you know, the person who's grateful and he should be remembering God as well. If you're remembering God only in difficulty, that means you're not grateful to God Almighty. Sometimes what happens that when we are happy, when we are, you know, we have everything, we're in ease, we forget God Almighty. We do not think about Him. We do not worship Him. We don't pay attention to the commandments of the Holy Quran. But whenever something come up, something, you know, a problem come up, we start, you know, we towards God Almighty. And in this regard, God says that you have to be grateful and you have to remember God Almighty when you're in ease. That's a true love. That's a true gratefulness that, yes, you're not, you know, worshipping and praising God Almighty only when you are in problem. You're also remembering Him you know, when there's no difficulty, you're in ease, you're in, you're happy, and you remember God Almighty because you're grateful to Him. So it is very important to understand that by living in this country, you have everything, you know, you should be grateful to God Almighty. And, you know, we 
ask our parents, especially, you know, we want this and we want that, and they provide us in the evening. But let's suppose if we start facing the same problem, we are asking for them, they don't have any, and they don't have money to provide that thing, and we've been struggling for months and months, and, uh, you know, we can't have that thing. Then you will understand that, uh, you know, how, how to become a grateful. Sometimes we take things for granted that we are getting, we ask for something, they are there in the evening. Okay, if we if we don't have those things, then we'll have a gratitude towards our parents as well, that he has, you know, they have provided me, they have earned very hard to, you know, buy this thing for me. Similarly, we should be grateful to God Almighty and we should, you know, you know, our attitude towards God Almighty and human beings should be that we are grateful if somebody's helping you, if God has helped you or, you know, what God has given to you. And then the day we start doing it, the day we'll feel the change, that the way we'll, you know, feel happiness within our hearts and we will, you know, the mentally we'll be, uh, you know, in, in, in uh, ease and uh, we'll feel comfortable. Now I will, uh, you know, um, be uh, running a clip, a small clip where, you know, the, His Holiness uh, Mirza Masood Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, uh, explains this obligation uh, that uh, his and uh, he's thanking the guests at an inauguration and I would like to uh, run that uh, audio clip and then we'll back we'll be back on uh, uh, on the subject and we'll discuss further please listen to that first of all I would like to take this opportunity to express my gratitude to all of you who have kindly accepted our invitation and joined us here today. <clears throat> I should clarify that where on the one hand this expression of thanks is a necessary moral courtesy, even more importantly for a true Muslim it is an essential religious obligation to always display gratitude where it is due. <clears throat> this is because the founder of Islam, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, has taught that a person should always express his appreciation for the acts of kindness or goodness of others towards him. <clears throat> he taught that a person who is not grateful to his fellow man is actually ungrateful to God Almighty. Bearing in mind the significance of this, I am certainly obliged to express my heartfelt gratitude to you. Indeed, it would be a huge oversight on my part if, as the head of the uh, religious community, I did not myself act upon the high moral standards which I constantly remind members of our community to uphold. <clears throat> this is because it is a display of moral qualities that are a means of becoming close to God Almighty. With these words of thanks to all of you, it is also essential for me 
to be hugely thankful to God Almighty who has enabled our community to build this beautiful new hall which is called the Tahir Hall and where we are gathered today. <clears throat> so you were listening to the audio clip where His Holiness Mirza Masoor Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, you know, thanking the guest at an uh, inauguration. You know, uh, if we discuss that how gratitude, you know, make you, uh, make an impact on your body, it makes people happy and or happier, you know, and content with their lives as they are more appreciative of what they have and are less likely to dwell on things they lack. And the several studies have also shown that depression is inversely correlated to gratitude. So the more grateful a person is, the less depressed they are. And Philip uh, Watkins, a clinical uh, physiologist at Eastern Washington University, found that clinically depressed individuals showed nearly 50% less gratitude than non-depressed con uh, controls uh, participants. On top of this, the study by Amon's people were asked to write every day about things for which they are they, they were grateful. Unsurprisingly, this daily practice led to greater increases in gratitude compared to the weekly journaling uh, in, in the first study. But the results showed another benefit. Participants in, in the gratitude group also reported offering others more emotional support or help with personal problem, indicating that the gratitude exercise increased their goodwill towards others, or more technically, their pro-social motivations. So being grateful may also improve physical health, as studies have shown that people participating these values daily report fewer physical symptoms when uh, when ill, and research has shown that gratitude not only has positive effect on physical health, but also on long-term mental health. Now, we have, <clears throat> have a, uh, another guest with us, uh, Monica Bami. Miss Monica Bami is a Reiki master, well-being coach, and an NLP practitioner. Above all, she is a mother of three beautiful daughters. She is a founder of Divine Health and Well-Being and awarded the Holistic Specialist of the Year 2020-2021 and the Recce Company of the Year 2022-2023 by Corporate Leverwire Prestige Awards. I welcome her in the show. Peace be upon you. Uh, Monica Bami, are you with us? Yes, hi. Can hi. you hear me? Yes, yeah, I can here. hear you. I can hear you. Thank you very much for joining us today. Yes, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, thank you very much. And now we'll start off with our first question. Uh, what does uh, gratitude mean to you? Gratitude. Um, I guess gratitude is really, really important in my life. I think I literally live my life on gratitude uh, mm -hmm. as a survival and also to enjoy my life. Gratitude for me is to appreciate what I have, be thankful for my blessings and any challenges that come my way. Because I believe the challenges come my way, they're helping me grow wiser and become stronger and you appreciate the little things that we sometimes take for granted mm -hmm. and it helps you focus on what's really important in life and it keeps you grounded it's almost like keeping you in a very high vibration at all times 
Indeed. Uh, you know, how, how do you implement gratitude into your daily life? So I start in the morning. Mm-hmm. I wake up in the morning and I will stay in my bed and I will just do three to five minutes gratitude where I, I will thank all the things I'm blessed with, the things that I'm happy about in my life, things that I have achieved, the people, the things I will show my gratitude and I'll thank the universe or thank the people around me who made me where I am today. And then I will send love out to the people who are in my life, people who I care about and people I love. So I do that three to five minutes. It's going to set my day right with the right intention. I do the same at night. I will do the gratitude. Same ritual. I'll do that night times so I go to sleep with a very peaceful heart that I am thankful for all the things I have. And that's how I, I do the gratitude in my life. Mm. Indeed. Especially yeah. when I'm sorry, I'm gonna jump another piece in. When I'm especially when I'm facing challenges and stressful situation, I remind myself that I'm grateful for this challenge or the situation as I'm going to come out of it stronger and wiser. And it's here to teach me something or I need to learn something from it. So those challenges and difficult situations becomes tiny and small rather than a big problem that I will struggle to face. Indeed, you know, very uh, good practices you do every day. And I think that a person should be doing every day to to grateful to God Almighty, because that's where you, if you sit alone and think about it, and then only then you can understand how God or what God has bestowed upon you and how uh, you should be grateful to God Almighty. If we move to the uh, next question, how has being grateful uh, impacted uh, your mindset and outlook on things? Yeah, it helps me set my intention. First thing in the morning when I wake up, mm-hmm. it's I remind myself I have been given another day to live. I have been given another opportunity to do things differently if I couldn't do day before. Mm-hmm. It's almost like another opportunity to connect with a loved one if I didn't have enough time yesterday. So it's almost like going back to the really basics to say, my God, I have another day to do the things I want to do, whether to connect with the loved ones, whether to do better in my work, or whether to do things that I love. They could always be about me time, but you're really setting the right intention with the intention that this is what I'm going to do in my day instead of starting with negative thoughts or starting with, my God, I've got so much to do and I need to do this, 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 this. Then you already woke up with that stress mode. It's gratitude just helps you set the tone of the day and you determine and you decide how you're going to live that day. Mm. So what do you think that being grateful is important? Why? Uh, and, uh, you know, for others to understand more about it? Yes. Um, for example, so what was the question, sorry? Why do I think Why, why do you think that being grateful is important? Is important? Yes. Yeah, so for example, if I say thank you Mm. or have another day or another chance to do it again, it sets the intention. And also, I teach this to my clients uh, a lot of time. If you go to sleep, and if you go to sleep in stressful mode or Mm. you think I've got so much to do the next day, 
and then you are going to sleep. First, you're going to struggle to fall asleep because your brain is way overactive. It's thinking, thinking, worrying. And nighttime can be the very tricky time when people think of all sorts of negative things because you're left with your thoughts and all the world noise has stopped. So people tend to do a lot of negative thinking. Now, but if you just do a small tweak at nighttime, and if you just do gratitude at nighttime and do thankfulness and be thankful and be blessed with, what you're doing is you, as soon as you go to sleep, your conscious mind tells the subconscious mind that stays awake all night, oh, Monica was thinking about this. She mm. was help, She was happy, she was thankful, she was really enjoying herself, she was thanking for this. She went to sleep in those feelings. Now the subconscious all night works on the emotions that you were thinking about at the last minute. So now the subconscious mind is thinking, well, she was happy, this, 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 this. And then the subconscious mind is feeding all the information and is working on the information you were thankful for, which helps with the manifestation. But when you wake up in the morning, the subconscious mind hands over the information to the conscious mind, your awake mind, to say this is what she was thinking about before she went to sleep and this is what she, her thinking was. So you wake up with the feeling you went to sleep with. It's a mm. very beautiful circle. We can get stuck in the vicious circle of negativity, go to sleep in that, wake up with that, or you go to sleep with gratitude, you wake up with gratitude. So your brain, the conscious and the subconscious is also working as well as while you're doing your conscious effort to be grateful. So it works, it works like magic. You start to manifest things that you really want. You start to fulfill your dreams and desires because you're working in harmony with your mind, your subconscious and conscious. So yeah, it works like charm. Indeed, uh, you have partially answered the next question I had in my mind. You know, how <laughs> would you suggest we build our gratitude? You have been answering that as well. Would you like to say something more that how they sh we should be working on this particularly to change our attitude towards this? Absolutely. So with my clients in my coaching sessions, I teach them positive habits. And mm. one of the positive habits I teach them is gratitude. Because I think it's really important. When you feel thankful, it really sets your intention. It really sets you for the day then you tend not to have over-the-top negative emotions or negative thoughts because then you're keeping them at bay because it's the negative thoughts and emotions that throws you off on a daily basis every minute of the day. So one of the things I ask my clients to do, write five things just before they go to sleep, five things that they can be thankful of, they feel grateful for, or they're blessed with any five things and it has to be five things every single day, different five things. So mm. they can start as small as I've got two hands, I can feed myself, or I've got two legs. Because the first thing they'll say, Monica, how am I going to bring five mm. new things every single day? <laughs> so I just say, go as simple as possible to say, I have a car, or mm. I have legs, I can walk. It's not simple and build and build and build. And every single night, you write five those things. And every time you write one thing, feel. Mm. The feeling behind it, feel the gratitude, and then do that for all five items. And that feeling that you're building is putting you on the right path. And I ask them to do the same. When they wake up in the morning, read the five things that you were tonight before, 
read one item at a time and then feel the emotion behind that. And that, again, is a beautiful circle and a beautiful loop you're in. And second technique I also tell them to do is do meditation. A lot mm-hmm. of people say, how do you meditate? Should you listen to the music? Should you listen, listen to the guided meditation? I don't understand the concept of meditation. And I simplify it for them. I said, just do what feels right. Even if you do five minutes a day, music, guided, or anything, take five minutes a day and just slow your body down. Mm. Slow your mind down. Because a lot of people, myself, a few years ago, as people used to say, oh, Monica, your life is so busy. Why don't you meditate? And I used to say, you think I've got the time to meditate? I've got so much to do. I don't have the time to meditate. Now, I'm on the opposite side mm-hmm. because I understand what meditation means. Meditation doesn't mean you're going to have less time to do more things. It simply means it slows you down. So you can be fast and you can be effective. Whereas people do things and run around, do so many things, but they're not as effective as if they just slowed it slightly down, recharge the body, give the brain the rest it needs, then now it can be productive. Indeed, indeed. Thank you very much uh, for joining us today and giving us insight uh, that uh, how uh, one can have gratitude within him. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Uh, you were listening to uh, Monica Bami, and uh, she has discussed that how one can have the gratitude within <coughs> him. And one question always arises that how to be grateful to God Almighty if he is not present in front of you. His Holiness Mirza Masur Ahmad, fifth caliph of the Promised Messiah, Islam, uh, beautifully explained this in, in his sermon delivered on 30th of May, that today the world is embroiled in idle and vain pursuit and has no guidance. It is only the community of the promised Messiah on whom be peace, that discipline and organized under the auspices of Khilafat, His Holiness said, Mere verbal thankfulness is not enough. One needs to reform one's practices to attract Allah's blessings. His Holiness said that we should pray for him and he we should pray for him and he will pray for us so that these sentiments of thankfulness do not ever end. So we should be praying to God Almighty regularly and should be grateful to God Almighty. In conclusion, you know, it is essential for all of us to understand the real meaning of gratitude. Gratitude cannot be displayed through a word. Person must mean it. This is the true gratitude. And our aim should be to implement true gratitude in our lives so we can gain nearness to Allah the Almighty and gain His pleasure. And portraying true gratitude will not only bestow Allah's favor on us and in His life, uh, in, in this life, but in the next life, in hereafter. And when we are grateful to God Almighty, we should be grateful to, you know, a human being as well. As the saying of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was mentioned before, will mention once again, one who is not grateful to human being is not grateful to God either. Now I would like to thank the, uh, you know, the presenter of uh, today's uh, shows, producers. producers. Uh, thank you much for preparing uh, the uh, today's show. Thank you very much. Um,
please join us in the next uh, show next tomorrow.